podcast today. Um, there are things to get to today. May or may not put my good friend, Dr. Andrea Mata, after this monologue. Could be a second could be a second podcast. I know we, we haven't given you uh, many lately. Um, there has not been a, a, a lot going on. News and stories do really slow down during this time of the year, and I am not one. I am I am not one at all for uh, for for best of the year. And I even sometimes I get wrapped up. I got to slap my hand and go. No, you don't need to read the best songs or whatever. Um, there is a song I want to play for you because it was one of my very favorite songs of the year. It was. A Night to Remember in a big-time blowout um, in BG last night. We'll get to that. And a personal story uh, about a very dear friend in my life who you've not heard me talk um, maybe anything about. So welcome in. Thank you for being here. Um, thank you also if you have uh, supported and enjoy uh, the changes we've made to Q105 back on Labor Day. We decided to play less current music. It was harder to find really, really good airplay worthy songs so it's like let's play some older ones that we don't hear as often but let's not let's make sure we don't overplay california love uh, part of the reason we like these older songs is the nostalgia the novelty um toledo's 90s and 2000s on q105 and if you have suggestions for uh maybe the one hit wonders or ones you want to hear um, please send those, please send those my way. You know, the ways to get in touch with me. Um, I, I seemingly cannot get enough Usher requests because he's got that many songs, which is going to make the Super Bowl halftime show. Forgive my French fucking amazing. Um, we will, I'll start with French. <laughs> uh, I did come across a very good, a very pithy article of uh, lines of the year, like uh, thoughtful, insightful, hysterical, pointed, uh, commentary. And, um, to me, there were two lines of the year. Uh, one was, was Taylor's screeching devil line in, in cruel summer, which is not even a line from this year. Um, there was a succession line like, uh, what did, what did Brian Cox say? I love you people, but you're not serious. Uh, I missed that one. But uh, the Joaquin Phoenix line from Napoleon just last month, um, it's still baked into my brain because of how surprising it was. And he played that role so well. And I don't know if he was the perfect actor with his idiosyncrasies to play that role or he just played the role really well because he's a good actor. When uh, talking to the... Uh, with, as he was becoming emperor and ruler and all that stuff, uh, talking to to British, the British people. You think you're so great just because you have boats. Um, let's slide over to Wonka real, real, real fast. I, I read some articles today and I'm, I've shared them online. You know, I've, first of all, the mo- I'm not going to spoil anything. You know, we got his factory, right? Um, I have always tongue in cheek said, I'm curious to find out just exactly how he uh, came to employ those, those orange people. And I'd like to hear from them whether uh, Wonka actually saved them from what the horn swazzlers, the snoggle wangers, tongue in cheek. Um, I didn't get those answers in Wonka. Well, there is a bit of an origin story, but you don't see any of the monsters. And Hugh Grant is is wonderful playing the only Oompa Loompa that's essentially in, in the movie. And apparently he hated playing the role. Uh, reading some articles today, I didn't know the history of the book, just just the movie. Apparently, o- over time and decades, uh, like we've looked back 
and went, oh, that's not good at all. There was hints, senses, themes of colonialism and slavery with how, uh, in the book, I guess, Wonka came to employ these uh, these smaller people. And I guess it was modeled after like small African pygmies. And then the movie, they changed it to these mystical orange creatures. But uh, again, having them come into his employ question, it's... It's fair to do revisionist history as long as you realize times and sentiment were much different back then. But again, that does not make it right. That's why I will never hear the argument of, well, a slave. I, I think it a little political right now. Um, when people like like to wave the Constitution in in your face and go, these are the things we have to have. You can't take away this, this, and this because it's here in the Bill of Rights. Oh, yeah, that same document that hinted at uh, but didn't say, you can have your slaves. I I think uh, owning other human beings, even with revisionist history, thinking thinking one human is better than another because of color of skin or where they came from, I don't know if there's any point in history where you could get me to to go, yeah, I can see. I can see how that, that, that that's right. Not not at all. Wonka was a fantastic movie. Uh, Timothy Chalamet was great. I did read an article today that uh, that opened my mind up. Didn't make me like the movie any less. And by the way, it's appropriate for all ages. Um, there is no scary boat scene. I don't. I. It's got to be rated PG. Uh, I. I also read that a lot of musicals have come out this year. Maybe Barbie included. I was like, oh, oh yeah, of course Wonka is that. Because um, you might know that I don't like performing arts stuff. I just can't sit through it. Maybe a play, but definitely not singing. I made it through 10 minutes of uh, the iconic Hamilton, uh, but I made it through this. It is not scary. It's appropriate for all ages. The article, though, talked about uh, this movie took away from the mystery of the original Willy Wonka, the, the, the 1970 movie, and how Gene Wilder played it. I think that was what made that movie... Um, questionable themes aside, so phenomenal. He was this cryptic, mysterious, scary character. So when uh, these people, these these little fellas came out and, and, and sang over, <laughs> sang and celebrated the likely death of these bratty children, it made sense. Like, mystery guy, deaths, people celebrating it. Um, it is one of the indelible, cannot ever not remember moments of my life. I must have been seven or eight. I was at summer camp. Um, we were, it was movie day. Who was movie day at summer camp? Must have been raining. Uh, we were sitting in, in the lunchroom. They, they cleared out the tables and stuff. And there's probably 20 kids or so. We called them bunks, B-U-N-K. You know, what bunk were you in? Do they do that now? Um, so Willy Wonka was on. And I don't remember liking it. I just remember when that girl went down the chute, um, seven or eight-year-old me threw his hands up and said, that's fucking enough. I am done and I needed to be taken out of there. So when I tell you that I am I am frightened of Oompa Loompas, I am not bullshitting you. I mean, that that first movie, and I, I, I say it tongue-in-cheek, but prove me wrong, that place is a murder factory. Um, When... Hugh Grant hit the first note. There, there's a lot of music, especially a song, 
that you'll be happy about uh, from the original Wonka that that is in this excellent movie. Uh, a note hits and I I had chills go up and down my spine. Um, he wasn't as frightening as the originals, but that's often that's often the case. Look back at like the old Ronald McDonald's, ter- terrifying old clowns as opposed to clowns now. Uh, it was an excellent movie. Great story. Timothy Chalamet played great. Lots of unfamiliar faces. Um, the young girl who was super talented, I guess, was in... What the hell was that movie? This Is Us? But a lot of unfamiliar faces. Um, really, really good story. Um, I, I have I have Slugworth questions, but definitely one of the, the better movies that I've seen this year. And I maybe I chose carefully, but uh, I've seen some, some good ones. And Wonka was definitely one of them but I have questions I definitely have questions uh the movie of the year two of them perhaps universally speaking Barbie and Taylor Swift I'll count that um I liked Barbie and I said this back in the summertime I I knew what I was getting into I like all these char- I like all these actors um but it was much more entertaining than I expected and it is when I I, I deeply fell in love Ryan Gosling, who I always I always liked, and I respected him because he stayed out of the news, good or bad. He has his seemingly wonderful relationship um, with with Eva Mendez, and there he's there's never a rumor about him. There's never Ryan Gosling was spotted blank, blank, and blank. Whether it's happening or not, I appreciate that he stays out of the news. I, I respect the heck out of that. Um, and it it doesn't allow us to get to know these people, and that's fine. It's fine. I don't need to know, but I can respect his work, and I've really come to like a lot of the things that he has done over the years, Um, and I didn't see The Notebook. I'm talking like this stage, Ryan Gosling, so yes, please put him in a Marvel movie, but his performance of that song just had me swooning for him. Um, That song was released as an EP with Mark Ronson, who did the music for the movie. There's a... In My Feelings acoustic mix, there is um, a disco, so an EDM house mix. There's a Christmas version of this. song they they christmasized it and i did not expect i thought i heard it and then a confirmed it the other day he's done a christmas mix for me to play friday and then on the weekend uh that share has become a christmas song of the season i did hear that voice and identify it correctly uh it was confirmed when he passed that along to me uh to go back to wonka for one moment i wrote this up this morning and it's it's on my facebook page i'm not going to give you the whole spiel um but it deserves to be said because, you know, I, I like thoughtful lines. I like insight. I, I save them. It's one of the best notes entry entries in, in my phone. There's, there's dozens, if not a couple hundred. During the movie, Wonka, uh, 
you can see how this plays out. It's reflective of a lot of things happening in, in, in culture, which is nice. I, I can take that. Um, the little girl said, the greedy always beat the needy. The greedy always beat the needy. There's the chocolate cartel, Slugworth and a couple of other guys who, who play these roles really well. The one guy uh, vomits in his mouth every time somebody says, poor like when someone's about to say it, he begins to, to chuckle. It really good, really good. Um, the, the the greedy beat the needy, and that has been a sentiment of mine for a long time, as 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 you know. Um, and I've said this. We've been having strikes for a while, uh, labor risings, and so we have what what is it? Uh, more unions than ever, but the participation in them is still pretty low. The greedy beat the needy, and. To do the upshot of my little rant today on Facebook, now that everything costs more, um, I want the services to be commensurate and the quality as well. Like I was disappointed in the service and quality, in the quality of what I paid for my shower cleaning. You didn't even clean the door. Maybe you weren't supposed to. I, I, you, you could have. Pretty simple, but um, setting expectations is important in that regard. Um, the greedy beat the needy. So a lot of people got raises. You're making an extra 250 bucks a month over over a year. It's, it's several grand. But now your costs have gone up to $260. So did did you did we win anything? The people at the very, very, very bottom of um income earnings did get a substantial jump in what they're making. That is confirmed. I read it regularly in any kind of one of these stories I come across. Um, but I think the majority of people here in this, this orbit, um, we're, we're, we're the middle class people. We're the ones that got the small raises and then the um, small plus one cost and fee increases. Last night was um, <laughs> was an absolute rout. It was a, an, a, an expected throttling of the Lady Falcons at the Stroh Center. What are you talking about? They got beat by like 30-some. Um, but I was very much looking forward to this when it got scheduled. The uh, They won the title two years ago with Zia Cook. Uh, South Carolina Gamecocks came to BG. And this game was only scheduled within the last six months. Why did this happen? Let me explain this and, and, and share with you why I've got a special feeling towards it. Um, and and well, South Carolina. So one, it's great that Zaya went there, and now she is a she succeeded, won a championship. Uh, didn't reach status that I expected, but I, I, I didn't know the competition and quality and talent in college basketball. Uh, she was not one of the top three or five, but top twenty-five, probably. Now she's in the WNBA. Um, the new head coach of the Lady Falcons, I believe I'm pronouncing this correctly, Fred Schmiel, C-H-M-I-E-L, uh, former assistant coach just last year with uh, the South Carolina Gamecocks. And apparently he and South Carolina's legendary, and I'll come back to this, coach Dawn Staley, have a wonderful relationship. Um, he calls her his mentor. I think she's younger than him. I, I could be wrong. He has the deepest of praise for for her and i really enjoyed the heck out of reading uh about their embrace last night his words for her her words for uh the community and why she was so happy to bring her number one ranked team her her, her legendary uh, her iconic college basketball program to little bowling green right off 75 here in northwest ohio um so again uh it was a route like a 30 point drubbing but you saw nothing but smiles last night from uh 
Coach Schmiel and, and Don Staley. And I'm sure the players didn't like getting throttled like that, but it, it is a nice experience to see how you can measure up against the best of the best. It was a celebration because it, I think it was the second largest crowd, uh, largest crowd in the Stroh Center history, biggest BG crowd since uh, a, a tournament game decades ago. So what a, a phenomenal night. And I have always kept an eye on uh, the South Carolina Gamecocks ladies basketball because Dawn Staley is from Philadelphia. She is a Philadelphia basketball legend. I'm pretty sure she went to, did she go to Temple University? She's definitely a Philly girl. Um, went on to star, I believe, for uh, Team USA basketball probably around the Lisa Leslie era, and then moved into coaching. And um, I forget where she was, if she was anywhere before South Carolina, but she has created an iconic, like, Duke, Kentucky, Kansas, um, with the Lady Gamecocks. When her name was kicked around for NBA jobs, especially um, for the Philadelphia 76ers, um, I thought yes. Even it wasn't even it wasn't for the Sixers. She is a decorated college basketball coach, regardless of of gender, and and should certainly be considered for the highest level of jobs. Um, and loved her words again for the community last night. So that was my connection to that and and all that situation. Why I really look forward to the game last night and kept an eye on the score um, while it was going on. Something else close, and we'll have Andrea on another podcast. Um, I live, if you didn't know, my, my, my trek is home, Detroit, Orlando, Saginaw, here, home in Allentown, Allentown, Detroit, back here. I was in Orlando from September of 2002 to October of 2003. Um, it was my first full-time job. Um, a friend, actually somebody who I didn't even knew, knew me that well. When I started working in Philadelphia at my Top 40 radio station, Q102. Um, there was a guy who did all the club gigs, Steve Bartell. He was like the late night on-air guy. He knew me. I knew him a little bit, but by no means were we close. He kept up with me when I moved to Detroit. He oversaw a radio station in Orlando, uh, 95.3 The Party, or 90, Party 95.3. It was a hip-hop and dance station. It was a hip-hop and dance station. So like Darude and Cameron. Ashanti and Daniel Bedingfield and lots of like uh, regional Florida dance tracks, but still the biggest hip hop songs and Justin Timberlake. That's when his album was huge. Um, he hired me to be his morning guy. Um, I sucked. I was a fucking brat. I was an asshole. I did not treat my co-host properly. There, there's a half a dozen things that I did that I look back and go, what an asshole I was. Um, there, one memory of mine is I remember being out with a person I want to tell you about on my birthday, May 8th into 9th of uh, 2003. Um, I didn't stay out late often. I would say if I didn't do the morning show, I would have killed myself because, again, of the person I'm going to talk about. But I was out late for that night. I don't know why. He convinced me to just hang. And I was like, and it was, and I didn't realize it was my birthday. I wasn't used to being up that late and being at a club. So like 12 o'clock hits and I'm like, it's my, oh, it's my birthday. And this guy is like, well, you're definitely staying now. So we stayed up, stayed out, working till 3 a.m., going to the radio station, no sleep, do the show. He did the show with us, and then, you know, whatever it was. His name was Jake 
was, so you know where this is going. Jake Kilikakipi. I think that's the first time I ever said his name out loud. He was DJ Jake. Um, he was a good friend of my friend who ran the station, and again, Bartell, Steve Bartell. Jake, DJ Jake, didn't work for the station, but he was around it. We had a lot of like DJs who worked for us. One that I think it was with the station, and the best friend of uh, Jake, uh, Jeff Hill, uh, goes by Jeff Retro. I think he's a big Vegas DJ now. So first night, I, I think I drove into Orlando. Um, I went over to Bartel's house or something, and I remember meeting um, Jeff and his mom, uh, Ma- Mama Hill, and and Jake. It was a Sunday, I, I think. Football was on, and we got to talking about football. Jake is from Pittsburgh. I, I think Jeff is as, as well. So, Pennsylvania, all that stuff. Um, Jake invited me to, you know, he knew that I DJed and would invite me to come out to the clubs he DJed at. And he DJed at all of them. I was with him uh, because I didn't have to wake up early. He, at the University of Central Florida, which was an emerging massive university at the time like he did all their bar nights now I didn't go to those because they were in the middle of the week but Friday and Saturday night he DJed at a, at a club called Cairo I went out there with him and um, I got to DJ like 60 to 70 percent of the night and he would just run around and host because he was the mayor he knew everybody everybody knew him um, I had a blast he helped put extra money in my pocket without that money that I made in those gigs I wouldn't have survived making like 23 24 grand I mentioned this recently um even back then it was hard to live without a roommate I had this extra cash coming in so it 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 made it manageable for me um Jake introduced me to everybody uh, had I not been doing a morning show, I would have been out with his gigs all the time and I would have killed myself. Not, I wouldn't have gotten drugs or anything, but I just would have been out all the time. And I didn't even drink a lot back then. Um, I loved living in Orlando. Working there is a different situation. A lot of my own doing. Um, I have some great memories. And the, the biggest memory is, unfortunately, now of, of Jake. I think I'm going to tear up here a little bit. Um... Jake knew everybody. He was the mayor. And without him, I wouldn't have had a a fraction of the friends that I had and people that I met down in, in Orlando. He he was the the nicest guy. Biggest club DJ, biggest DJ. You think this guy could be an asshole? He was the most selfless person you could ever imagine. I when I moved away from Orlando, I only went back to visit him once. And he was as great as I remembered. That was 2007 or 8. We always kept in touch once a year. We, we, we'd text, talk football stuff. Um, once a year, we'd have a really long phone call. Um, he, I think he actually spent most of his life in, a, in L.A., but Pittsburgh native. And he had moved out there. He enjoyed L.A. You might remember, you might remember this. So in 2015 or 16, we talked about this on on the on the morning rush. Um, I had seen that Jake uh, was was in like liver or fit or liver and or kidney failure. He was on his deathbed, literally. And I shared this story with everybody on the show and the audience at the time. And um, I I didn't know what caused it. Now I could put 
one and one together and go, all those clubs, you know, he destroyed his liver. But as I said back then, like, Jake, from what I remember, was never a heavy drinker. He drank often because he was always at these gigs, but never did I see him, like, slamming eight to 12 drinks and blah, blah, blah. Often, but not not a lot. So I never knew what the heck happened. Uh, Jeff Retro, um, I was told this last night, walked out of this, I think, L.A. hospital room, and he said, I think I just saw my best friend for the last time. Miraculously, maybe this is because he was a, one of the best humans ever. Jake lived. I believe it was uh, hepatitis and some complications from something earlier that that put him in that position. It was not uh, any kind of drinking so far as I knew. Uh, Jake decided to use it as a second chance, became, uh, went to school, and I don't think the only school he did was doing DJ gigs at, at schools. Uh, I think he went to school and, and became uh, a paramedic, uh, EMS out in, in Los Angeles. And we started to talk more frequently after his, his incident. And he said to me, like, Eric, and, and most gregarious, outgoing guy, had such energy, and he was a magnet for people. I mean, you want to be the mayor of a town, unofficial, you got to have that energy, that the charisma, that infectiousness. We all know somebody like that. That was Jake. He said, "I don't want. I don't want to tell you more about me. I have seen you doing your mental health stuff, and you. Here come the tears a little bit. You have blown me away, and has said all these complimentary things. And we were both different people at this point. Uh, not our not our DJ selves. And when Jake was." Probably about 10 years older than me. I never knew how old Jake was. Never knew how old he was. Um, so, he, every time we would talk, or I would, every time we would talk, we'd, we'd shoot the shit about football, texting, but when we'd have a call, he would always say, like, I saw what you wrote that was really powerful, and, and thank you for doing what you're doing. Um, I come across a lot of people who have these issues, and it's someone like you that helps me talk to them in some ways. And I was like, well, we are not doing shots at Cairo anymore. <laughs> um, um, he left me a voicemail. He called me November 27th, last month. And he sounded different. This was not the normal, gregarious, outgoing Jake. His voice sounds strained. Um, I, I sent him the voicemail. I texted him. I was like, I can't, I could pull it up right now. Hold on. Let me see, man. I, I haven't looked at this. Oh, he had a thing. He called everybody greasers. G-R-E-E-Z-E-R. Um, I'll have to post some of my messages. Um, November 27th, maybe after I... I, I called, sorry, um, sent this to my Steelers fan friend. I was hoping Pickett would take a 30-yard sack or kneel down so they'd go back below 400 yards. Um, 15 minutes later, after he had called me, he said, uh, if you can give me a call later. And now I see that I didn't even say, I'll get back to him. I saw Jake tagged in a post last night. Somebody I didn't know. Clicked on it, and it said, Rip. I don't know how old Jake was. Maybe early 50s. I don't, I don't know. Uh, he died of a heart attack, a massive heart attack. Um, still have to find out why, but 
uh, I spoke to Bartelli, explained everything to me. He said I was on the list of people. There was something about Jake, even though he moved to LA and stuff, there was this, I, I somehow made it into this circle of people he cared so deeply about. I heard names last night from Bartel that I have not heard in 20 years. Uh, apparently, Jake was was calling these people, Jeff, another girl that we worked with, and just tying up loose ends. But we didn't know it at the time. I told Bartel, I was like, he called me too, and he left me a voicemail, and his voice sound strained. And uh, we can only surmise that he got some kind of diagnosis and was literally just tiring, tying up loose ends and saying goodbye. You know I don't get emotional, and I, and I wasn't last night with Bartel. But I am now, because this is one of the most sweetest, devoted, selfless, outgoing, charismatic human beings I have ever come across. For this man, I can play some of this so you can get an idea. To, to speak this way about me, when we talk once a year, unless the Steelers do something stupid, um, for, for 20 years, to speak this way about me is, I, I'm not deserving of it, at least on my side of the friendship. Say hello. I'll make sure you're doing all right. Uh, these are crazy times right now. These are crazy fucking times. And uh, I just want to tell you, I, I, I've been in contact with all my, I, I know you'd say you're not Jewish, but I, I, I just want to tell you how much I love you and everything I hope is going well. And uh, uh, I, I guess that's just it. You know, I, I miss I, I miss talking to you. Uh, you're, of course, one of my best friends ever. And... Uh, I thought he was calling to wish me a happy Hanukkah. This is why he said the Jewish thing. I wonder if I have any other text messages from him. Or, I'm sorry, voicemails. Did I save any? So you could hear uh, boisterous, Jake. It doesn't look like I do. You know, and... Now I think some of these tears are the are the regret that I did not get back to him. Eric has some emotions because he had a great friend.